Hello everyone, welcome back to Chibi and Chilled Anime Podcast, the podcast that talks all about all things anime, all things manga, anything that you're kind of thinking Japan related, it's about anime, it's about manga, I'm going to be talking about it on this podcast, so be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. So I'm your host Ryan and I'm a massive anime and manga fan and I have been for many 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 years, since the 90s, since I was a kid and that fad has never truly ended. So a few things before we dive into today's episode, I've got a bunch of new anime pin badges over on my eBay shop for you to check out. There's One Piece ones, there's Pokemon one and there's some Jujutsu Kaisen ones with more being added to the range soon. I'm not entirely sure when, I need to kind of prep them first, but they are coming soon. Be sure to check out the first five pins are over, they're already live, they're already on the shop, go check them out. You won't want to miss out on them, they're great to add to hats, bags, like straps on stuff. Honestly, go check them out, I've kept some of them for myself to add to my bag, because I just couldn't let them all go, I need to keep some for myself. And also, if you're into Funko Pops, much like myself, and like me, are also kind of addicted to them. I've got a 10% off code for you for OpticCollectibles.com and it's ChibiWeeb. So if you enter the code ChibiWeeb on OpticCollectibles.com, you'll save 10% off your order. Go check them out. They've got some exclusives and chase on chase what pops on there and also some like mystery boxes where it's kind of like you could get a chase, you could get a normal, who knows, it's all part of the Funko collecting fun. Go to OpticCollectibles.com for 10% off using the code ChibiWeeb. So this episode is all about Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's one of the most successful and popular anime and manga franchises ever. And it's the biggest card game in the world. It's bigger than Pokemon, it's bigger than the One Piece one. It's the biggest one to ever be made with the most cards sold ever. And it was one of my absolute top anime series when I was growing up and albeit the English voice actors and English voiceover was very different to how I guess they kind of wanted it to be but hey ho that's what we got in the 90s with a very very American accent especially Joey's voice very 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 American but this series was one of the anime that truly got me hooked on anime when I was younger and thanks to its kind of character designs, specifically the pharaoh himself, Yugi, and the designs of the monsters, albeit how kind of wildly inconsistent they kind of were, but that was part of the charm. And shout out to the Dark Magician Girl and the entire Toon Monsters series. I loved how they looked. They were very, very cool. And this anime was and still is super different to any other anime because of its story foundation and being set in ancient Egypt. I'm still kind of yet to find an anime with the same kind of style of Yu-Gi-Oh! set in Egypt, which is really weird. When I was younger, I couldn't find any anime of this backstory, but I do have to admit, I was fairly young and so was the internet and how I knew how to use it, so I probably could find something now if I dug enough. But the hold that this anime had on me as a kid, alongside Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura, was just absolutely wild. Those were like the top tier anime at the time alongside Digimon. And I loved these series. And to kind of share my love for this series, I thought this episode should be all about the unknown and weird facts about the huge media empire that is Yu-Gi-Oh! So I'll share some facts about the anime, the manga, the card game, and a little bit about the creator as well. 
So let's dive into 15 facts you should know and probably don't know about Yu-Gi-Oh! So our first fact is that while the name Yu-Gi-Oh! is closely now associated with the card game as a whole, the franchise actually started out as a dark manga series more akin with horror today. So it took a while for dual monsters to even show up in the manga and the story mainly focused on other kinds of puzzles, riddles and kind of trivia style games. Many of these games were literally life or death. If you were lost, you actually died in the manga. You didn't get sent to a shadow realm, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But in the first issue alone, the pharaoh challenges one of Yugi's bullies to a game where, where you had to stab money off your hand without cutting yourself. A bit like something you'd seen like a Russian mafia film. And this bully then tries to stab the pharaoh instead, at which point he is driven insane by dark magic. A movie director starts hassling Yugi and Joey at their school, so the pharaoh turns his eyes into permanent mosaics. What cause why not? And an escaped prisoner kidnaps Taya, so the pharaoh sets him on fire and just... Everyone just laughs it off, like, as in, like, oh my god, look, it's on fire. Ha ha. It's weird. The manga started off entirely, entirely dark. Much more horror style than what we know today. Fact number two is that the recurring villains of the Duelist Kingdom arc in Yu-Gi-Oh! were Pegasus and Bandit Keith. And Pegasus forced Yu-Gi to enter his Duel Monsters tournament by stealing the soul of his grandfather. We kind of see that famous scene with the TV screen. And he also stole the soul of both Makuba and Seto Kaiba. And this was all part of his plan to, for resurrecting his dead wife. But Candy, Candy, no, hold on a second. Bandit Keith was the best Duel Monsters player in America and very boastful about it as well. He was embarrassed by Pegasus at a tournament and he came to the Duelist Kingdom to seek ever famous cold revenge. And when Keith threatens Pegasus with a gun, he is trapped under Pegasus's mind control and shoots himself in the head. Then, after Pegasus loses to Yugi, Dark Bakura kills him by ripping the Millennium Eye out of his head. So obviously none of this actually made it to the Western anime. This is very dark compared to what we know of Yu-Gi-Oh! And a lot of this stuff only stayed in the Japanese manga and never actually made it out. It's so, so different. And actually, 4K's Entertainment actually removed all of the... Obviously, they removed the eye-ripping scene, but they removed a lot of the guns and other violence in the anime that should have been there originally as well. Our third fact is all about Slifer the Sky Dragon. And he entered the possession of Yugimoto, who used it during the ta- final tournament at Battle City. And this was my favourite of the kind of Egyptian god cards. And in the original Japanese language version of the game, Slifer was called Osiris. The reason for this change is because he wanted, he was named after Roger Slifer, one of the employees at Four Kids Entertainment, who worked on the English dub for the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. I feel like Osiris fit the... Egyptian theme a little bit more, but hey-ho, it was four kids. They did what they wanted to do most of the time. So some of the cards were just too creepy for outside Japan and had to actually be redesigned. And we know that Japan is no stranger to spooky stuff, and I love a good spooky stuff. So these were right up my street, but speciality decks contained cards that were far more horrifying, both artistically and conceptually as well. One of the most 
scary ones is the gimmick puppets archetype and one such card is the gimmick puppet dreary doll which was originally a doll made from the likeness of a child covered in bloody bandages and sitting in a coffin and this was obviously toned down and redesigned with a different art for release and another is gimmick puppet shadow feeler which shows two puppets on all fours facing each other with their heads fused together into another torso with arms think along the lines of human centipede it's disturbing to look at even though the art is blue it's not nice but i'm totally up for spooky cards i have to say in Yu-Gi-Oh, we kind of have some recurring themes and one of these is torture so Marek's millennium item also has the ability to turn any jewel into a shadow jewel which caused players to suffer the same pain as their monsters during the game and this is especially horrible and terrible when you realise that his entire deck is based on torture. That's the entire theme of the cards and the strategy that he kind of plays with and enjoys doing so and playing in this kind of style. And his duel with Mae Valentine was turned into a shadow duel. I loved the character Mae Valentine. Absolute shout out to her. And it caused her to suffer an, an amazing amount of anguish and kind of horror and some might remember the scenes in the dub where we simply, she kind of just loses her memories. But the source material for this was much, much darker. And at the end of the duel, upon losing, her mind is trapped in an hourglass. And when the sign runs out, when the sand kind of runs out to the bottom, she actually dies. Which, R.I.P. I did not know that happened at all. But, wow, poor me. A common kind of theme in anime is a lot of like time skips, time loops, one of the most famous ones in like in One Piece with the two, with the time skip, all that kind of stuff. And Yu-Gi-Oh! is no different to some kind of time play. So Yu-Gi-Oh! GX officially takes place 10 years after the events of the original anime with Yu-Gi. And after Kaiba sets up the Jewel Academy, a school for young duelists. So the main character, Jaden, is known for battling with an elemental hero deck and his winged Karibo. I loved the Karibo cards, and they were, they're just iconic today. They're so, so cool. I loved the whole Karibo style thing, and given to him by Yukimoto near the beginning of the series. However, in the series finale, Jaden goes back in time to duel Yugi and uses the winged Karibo. So this suggests that Yugi gave him the card because he had already met Jaden and knew he would use it in their final duel later down the line or further up the line, should I say. So the entire show is in some kind of like weird time loop, which is kind of mind-boggling to think about, but very cool. So on to another theme now, and Yu-Gi-Oh! loves the slavery theme as well. So something that's a little sugar-coated in the American release is the concept of possession. So it's a little bit more spooky than anything else. But we know Yu-Gi's possession is consensual. He is happy with being possessed by the pharaoh. But Mark Ishka, or rather his alter alter ego, Yami Marik, doesn't follow the same rule. He's the primary antagonist of season two and has the ability of mind control through possession. But both personalities were enemies of the pharaoh, Yugi, and Marik killed Ishka's father, a loyalist of the pharaoh. And when he was younger, later on, Marit uses mind control on Yugi's friends to coerce him into playing a shadow game because that's just how he rolls. He loves the shadow game. And it seems that it might generically devious at first. It might just be a little bit like cheeky dark fun. But the concept of mind control itself 
at a much more powerful level is something the show often often shows and explores. At least in the Japanese version, they love the theme of taking over someone's mind and making almost like a slave or a zombie out of people. At least Marik does anyway. In fact, we see this in the cards as well as a common theme. So Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V spin-off, there is a card called Parasite Fusioner that has some kind of creepy, not good if you like bugs, kind of horrifying concept art, but a fairly, it's fairly tame. However, a character called the Doctor has created real-life versions of them in the show and is able to remotely control the brains of several other characters by implanting parasites into their brains. Beyond just mind control, he has a power over their speech and even their facial expressions. So this kind of horrifying concept is the Doctor's control over the character Rin is finally severed by the protagonist Yugo. Not Yugi, Yugo. And the parasite himself itself takes control. Rather than the speak of the Doctor, Rin speaks in a creepy kind of monotone kind of voice. So it's even like the cards and the whole decks and monsters themselves even have this theme of torture mind control and slavery so onto one that's a little bit more light-hearted fact number eight is all about spells traps and monsters and these kind of cards make up the majority of cards in Yu-Gi-Oh but one other has been lost and that's the magic card so magic is found now only in particularly the old collections of cards like the original runs of them and these refer to the same cards as spell cards nowadays and it was changed after an incident between Konami and Wizards of the Coast. So while some references to Magic the Gathering have been present and enjoyed since the early days of the game, Summoning Schools for example shares a distinct similarity to Lord of the Pit, also Summon School absolutely iconic, and Konami took a step too far when they attempted to copyright the term Magic Card and they were forced to change the name and then I guess they changed it just to spell card instead. It must have been just too embarrassing. <laughs> so we mentioned the spin-off series a little bit earlier. We've mentioned a couple of them. But since 2004, Yu-Gi-Oh! has released seven different spin-off series. Each one evolving around a different main character and the card game Jewel Monsters. And spin-offs such as Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and 5D have also proven to be popular with all the other fans of this series as well. I haven't watched all of them. I think I watched the first three and then I kind of just kind of petered out of Yu-Gi-Oh! But the first season is just golden. Absolutely just wow. And in 2021, a new anime spin-off, Go Rush, was announced and premiered in Japan in 2022. And the changes mentioned earlier that were made by four kids about hiding all the guns and stuff were also made for the spin-off series. But for Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and 5D, never had their full episode list dubbed either and never ever completed the actual series, so they ended each round having only 30 episodes, which caused all the ratings for the series of Yu-Gi-Oh! as a whole to drop, and between 2004 and 2016, the series has also seen three movies released that continued the Yu-Gi story, with the most recent release being The Dark Side of Dimensions, commemorating the 20th anniversary of Yu-Gi-Oh!, which is wild on its own, and offered a list of epilogue epilogue what the hell am I saying and offered itself as an epilogue to the original manga so I love it now that we're in this kind of time where all the anime that we love that we grew up with are now having like all these anniversaries and birthdays it's very very cool and I love that they start to kind of build on top of the original work like this very very cool 
So fact number 10 is all about the OG anime. So the original Yu-Gi-Oh! So not one but two anime adaptions. This one's pretty well known, but I think it's very cool. So it's always one to kind of share on episodes like this. And the first was developed by Toei Animation and released in 1998. And it covered the events of the first seven chapters of the manga, looking at the beginning of Yugi's story and the Pharaoh's Nyamino games. And the anime never got dubbed into English or made its way to the West, but proved popular with fans of the manga for keeping faithful to the original story, like very close to the original work. And it is affectionately, affectionately known by fans as Season Zero. And Season Zero was very different to the series we know now, with Seto Kaiba having green hair, not brown, and people having much more brutal deaths and not heading to the Shadow Realm, they just died. So it's much closer to the dark kind of style of the manga. However, the manga had this dark theme originally too, with it being very much more like a horror manga, like I mentioned before. It was much, much darker, and Season Zero is apparently much closer to this dark original work. Fact number 11 is a short but sweet one, and in Japanese, Yu-Gi-Oh! Stand, literally stands for the King of Games, which is also tied to the name of the protagonist, Yugi Moto, in the original manga and animation. So fact number 12 is all about Takahashi first began work on the manga in 1982, with his first work, Fighting Hawk, being published in 1990. Both Yu-Gi-Oh! and the card game were the brainchild of him, and they were purchased, uh, published by Konami and the entertainment conglomerate of Japan. If you are into anything anime manga, you know the name Konami. And at first the card game was named Magic and Wizards, but later changed to Jewel Monsters, specifically for the anime. And it kind of stuck within the rest of the storyline and work that followed. So this next fact, fact number 13, is all about the kind of the future that we could see about Yu-Gi-Oh! So there will be a holographic version of the game. If you're a fan of Yu-Gi-Oh! you can expect to see a holographic version of this game in the very near future. This can provide the game to the next level. So think like 3D, think VR, think AR, that kind of stuff. You'll be able to play cards using computer systems which are projecting holograms and you can play alongside life-size cards and 3D images when it's released. I've got no other details on this, but it looks very, very cool. It sounds very, very cool. Very, like, futuristic. It makes me think of that kind of thing. Really fits the Yu-Gi-Oh! aesthetic super well, so I really hope they pull this off. So, not all Yu-Gi-Oh! cards are designed by just a company. Sometimes, fans can make them as well. And typically, it's not something companies allow. However, it takes some kind of special token, not token, but some kind of like special memento or wish for this to happen. And one of the most well-known cards made by a fan is Tyler the Great Warrior, which was made in conjunction with the Make-A-Wish Foundation to support a young fan of the game. And the card isn't playable, but it's very, very fun. He used, I think it's inspired by Dragon Ball Z, or it looks like it is. It's very, very cute. And they're called fan-made cards and they are allowed in decks like to collect. You can get them but I don't think you can use them for tournament play. And one last fact, which kind of centers around four kids, and I didn't actually know this at all. Yu-Gi-Oh! was one of the network's most popular series, obviously, but it brought the company attention that it wasn't ready for. In 2011, TV Tokyo hit four kids entertainment with a lawsuit alleging the studio improperly reported royalties, created false invoices, and made illegal deals with other networks. The lawsuit forced you four kids entertainment to file for bankruptcy, and Yu-Gi-Oh! was put back on the market, Konami came around and purchased 4K Media and revived it as a license holder in Western markets. So, 
I mean, for kids entertainment had a rocky run. And I think a lot of it's come to more to light nowadays, now that we've all kind of grown up, I guess. But that's interesting that it kind of it shed some light on some dodgy dealings. So we've covered a lot of bases, a lot of kind of themes, a lot of dark facts, I have to say. The the kind of background of Yu-Gi-Oh! is much darker than what you'd imagine. And it's interesting to share. If you're anything like me, I hope you found this interesting. I love these episodes where I kind of... I know it's kind of weird because I'm just kind of spitting facts at you. But it's nice to kind of delve into some of these anime that we grew up with in a little bit more... In a kind of more deeper way. Looking at how they're made, their backgrounds and the kind of journeys that they've gone to. You know, there's so many that I could do. I think I might do a car capture Sakura one as well because that was just amazing. You know, there's so many. I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember to subscribe if you do not want to miss another episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to check out the subscriber-only episodes over there. But why not let me know what your favourite card in Yu-Gi-Oh! was or your favourite character. I think my favourites were definitely... Dark Magician Girl, I think, I think it has to be. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for checking this out. I really do appreciate every single listen, every follow, every download. It really does mean a lot. From one weep to another, thank you so much. If you're wanting any anime merch, head over to my social media links. Head, find me on social media, find me on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. And you'll see a link to my eBay shop where I have a bunch of anime themed prints for you to check out with worldwide shipping. Please do leave a rating and a review on the podcast platform that you're listening on this too. It really does support the show. It only takes a few seconds and it's free. I cannot ask. If I ask one thing of you... I'd ask that. Please do leave a rating and a review. Even if it's not great, please let me know. You know, it's even a bad one. Bad press is always... what. No, what's the saying? Any press is good press, I guess. Oh, that rhymed. So, so, a rating and a review would be great. It really does support the show. So, thank you so, so much for whatever kind of review you do leave. If you're a mega fan of anime, then why not check out my brand new Patreon monthly subscription club. There are three tiers of membership, Chibi Fan, Chibi Super Fan and Chibi Mega Fan, with each tier being better than the last. Each month, for one cost, you'll receive free prints, free downloads and much, much more, including exclusive behind-the-scenes videos, photos and more of how I create my prints and anime-themed artwork. If you'd like to receive exclusive updates and anime-themed goodies every single month delivered straight to you, then why not check out my Patreon? The link's down below. I'm sure you'll love being a part of the Chibi Weeb fan club. Sometimes finding a birthday card or an occasion card can be a boring task. However, I have some anime-themed cards on my thoughtful.co.uk creator profile, which is found in my links on social media. Over on Thoughtful, you'll find a bunch of anime-themed cards such as Studio Ghibli Happy Birthday cards and more with my range being updated regularly. Each card is processed by thoughtful.co.uk with shipping being fast, quick and efficient. You can shop my anime themed cards over on my Instagram with my links being over on there. Search Chibiweeb Anime and you'll find me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. It really does mean a lot. 
please do leave a rating and a review down below. It really does support the show and it's free to do. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. If you're a subscriber or if you're thinking of subscribing or starting the free trial on Apple Podcasts, I'll see you on Sunday for the next episode of the Chibi Peace exclusive Apple Podcast exclusive episode on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.